silence. It can be awkward sometimes, can it? Uncomfortable. They say silence is golden, but we don't really like silence that much. Like researchers say that uh, in a group conversation, if there's 15 seconds or more of silence, an awkwardness sets in. And you guys went for a minute. <laughs> silence uh, is so important in cultivating a intimate relationship with God. But it's the rarest thing that Christians practice among the spiritual disciplines, that of silence. So we're going to talk about that today, how we can develop that skill of being alone with God and just silent with Him. As we continue in our series, Jesus can revolutionize your life. We're going to be talking about how Jesus can retool your time with God. And in the curriculum we're studying by Peter Scazzaro, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Uh, I want you to read chapter 8 as we headed into this message. And I encourage you to read it again after this message. And, and read chapter 9 for next week. Uh, this is, uh, again, biblical truth that really has to marinate. It has to uh, seep deep within your soul. It's a very slow process. It's not going to happen in eight weeks. Hopefully, again, this is just a springboard uh, for a further journey that we take as a church together and as you take individually. We've talked about uh, several different pathways that we want to uh, follow and becoming more emotionally healthy and spiritually healthy. We talked about knowing yourself that you may know God. Life of David, uh, going back in order to go forward, Joseph, journey through the wall, Abraham and Isaac, enlarge your soul through grief and loss, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. And then today, discover the rhythms of the daily office and Sabbath. Well, we're not going to have time to get to the Sabbath, but you'll find that information in your book. I point you to the scriptures about the Sabbath and also in your uh, DVD small group uh, material. Then some other pathways we'll cover and... And on the uh, week before Thanksgiving, we'll uh, celebrate our journey together. I've talked to several people uh, along the way here. And please send me emails about how God has changed in your life. I talked to a young lady just after this past service. And uh, she's new to Springbrook. And she hasn't been to church for a long time. And she says, this series is really uh, changing my life. So God is using uh, His Word. And... I talked to another guy this week and some serious challenges in his marriage. And he and his wife were dialoguing and he realized that he needed to do some deep interior work. So he's been going to a Christian counselor. And uh, yes, yeah, it's a difficult series. Not easy to talk about some of these issues. But it's so important if we really are going to understand who God is and how much He loves us. Well, when we talk about cultivating... A relationship uh, with God uh, that is challenging in our culture. We're a 24-7 society, and that phrase really wasn't used until 10 or more years ago. Uh, again, we're just going and going and going. We're hurried. We're frantic. We're 
distracted, uh, we're overloaded, we're overwhelmed, and we, we feel trapped in this life of chaos. We, we don't want a life of chaos, but we're kind of trapped in it right now. We don't know how we can get out of this life of chaos. It's like getting on a treadmill and you're jogging maybe six miles an hour, and I wouldn't advise you to jump off at that particular time. That could be very dangerous. You're going to do some damage to your body. So how do you slow the treadmill down? Well, you slow it down very carefully. And that's the challenge. How do we slow our lives down to make room for God? Our society basically says that what we value is things that are bigger and faster and better. Bigger and faster and better. There's so much out there now that we have the Internet. I mean, oh, there's so much out there I can learn. There's so much out there I can achieve. There's so much out there I can enjoy. So I've got to multitask. I've got to compress my time. I've got to go 100 miles an hour every day. And it's just driving our soul into the ground. I was talking to, well, Dick Schmidt right here. Uh, we were on a men's retreat. And uh, guys, you missed a great time. Whenever we have those opportunities, take advantage of them. But uh, Dick was sharing with a group that he works for a European company. And he said that when he talks to these guys on a gut level about life, uh, these guys say, you, you Americans, you're workaholics. You, know, you, you work all the time. That's all you talk about is work. And, and we, we'd rather talk about family. Wow. You know, that's a punch in the gut, huh? But it's true, really, isn't it? It's true. We're, we're just consumed with achieving instead of really living and being. And we really need to root that out of our souls, and that's, that's, that's very difficult to do. This particular picture describes most of our lives where we're just filled with activity. So many things to do. So many activities, uh, things that have to be accomplished in the period of a day or a week. So we don't have much time for contemplation, being with God. That's that's very unhealthy, but that's a picture of most of our lives. Now, this is a better representation of how we should be living. Contemplation and activity. There's got to be a balance there. And, And this is something critical you need to understand. There's something about knowledge of God that's different than experiential being with God. Now, I'm so glad you're here this weekend. Thank you for making time with the family a priority, obeying God, coming to worship Him uh, on a weekly basis. But, but we can come here and, and, and sometimes we can kind of snatch times of when God speaks to us uh, through the music, through the teaching and uh, and then we'll go home and uh, we'll study uh, books about the Bible. We'll study the Bible. Uh, we'll go to small groups. And we can kind of get into a knowledge-based Christianity where we just keep accumulating knowledge. And I want more, and I want more, and I want more. But we have a, a paper-thin relationship with God. When we do pray... You know, we kind of go through our laundry list of all the things that we need. 
and uh, things we're thankful for, and that's all good. But really connecting with God, really experiencing Him is something that's quite foreign to most of us. I mean, this whole idea of being silent before God. When was the last time you were just silent before God? Just to be with Him. No other purpose. Just to be with Him. Enjoy Him. If He has anything to say to you, uh, He'll speak to you. But, but that, that's the experiential part of a relationship that drives a relationship deep. I mean, you can learn more, you can go to Bible school, whatever, but it's not going to drive your relationship with God deeper until you actually spend dynamic, vital time with Him. And that's one of the things we're going to be exploring today. Let's just take a brief look at Daniel's life. It's a fascinating book. Daniel was taken into exile by the Babylonians, and they took the brightest and the best of the Jewish lads, and they indoctrinated them. He got a new name, Belshazzar, and they, he and his friends went to the Babylonian University, and they wanted to have these young men to be their leaders someday. That's exactly what happened. Daniel became very high up in the government, maybe the Secretary of State, something of that nature. But he was uh, well-respected. God had his hand on Daniel, but he still was totally committed to Jehovah. Well, there were Babylonians uh, who were very jealous of Daniel, as always happens in politics and in other areas of life. And they just saw there would be no reason why this man should be in this position because he's a Jew and he honors Jehovah and just all their selfish ambition. And they, they said, we got to get rid of this guy. So they come up with this plan and they say, okay, we know that we can trap him in his relationship with his God. So all we'll do is we'll go to King Darius and we'll, we'll tell him, listen, king, you know, you are a god. All kings were gods back in that day. There were a plethora of gods. So they said, you should make a decree that you are the only god to be prayed to. And they could catch Daniel praying to the wrong god. And, yeah, King Darius thought, oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> I mean, hey, sounds good to me. Pray to me. So... The decree came out, and we read in verse 10 of Daniel chapter 6. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he had heard about it, that it was coming together, but now it was official law, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. So Daniel knows what the law is now. High government official. And he goes home, and what does he do? He prays. Three times during that day, he prayed. Now, it wasn't like, uh, I'm not going to obey these guys, so I'm not just going to pray once today, I'm going to pray three times. <laughs> no. Just as he had done before. This is the way he lived his life. Now, if I were Daniel, I would think, okay, maybe I don't have to open the windows today. Yeah, I'll just keep the windows closed and you open the windows toward Jerusalem and that's the way you pray toward the Holy City. I'll just keep them closed and I'll pray privately in here. No reason to make any type of fuss. <laughs> no, 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 no. 
That's not the way Daniel lived out his faith. He opened those windows. Why? Because you know those guys were casing the street down there just waiting for those windows to open. They knew his pattern. And so he prays to the Lord three different times. They say, yes, we have him because the punishment was uh, being thrown into the lion's den. That's another story. God protected him. But the issue here that we want to look at is that he prayed three times a day just as he had done before, giving thanks to the Lord. This was a rhythm in Daniel's life. Three times a day. And it was a rhythm that was prescribed by God in the Jews' life. They had morning prayer and afternoon prayer and evening prayer. And, and they all did it. It was just a part of the way they lived their lives and acknowledging that God was there and that they were dependent upon Him. And we see it throughout the Psalms, the prayer book that we find in Scripture. Psalm 119, seven times a day I praise you for your righteous laws. That's not hyperbole. I really believed he probably praised him more than seven times a day. Psalm 92, to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. I like that idea of bookending your day. You start out with God first thing you get up in the morning and you end with God as you go to bed. And you acknowledge that He's your Creator, that you're totally dependent upon Him, and He is why you're living. And you live to seek Him. And even when you're having a bad day, things are not going well. Psalm 55, 17. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and He hears my voice. So even when life is falling down around you, you continue that communication with Him throughout the day and say, Lord, this day is getting worse since I last talked to you, right? Uh, so again, you're, you're talking with Him, and then we see this in the New Testament as the Jews and, and Jesus, while He was here on earth, He was part of these uh, prayer times during the day. And the apostles in the early church, they were a part of these particular prayer times. Then you go into the early church, and, and they had these regular times of prayer. So there's been this sacred rhythm that has flown throughout Scripture. And the question is, why aren't we continuing that sacred rhythm? Well, that's what we want to encourage all of us to do today. As you get back into that sacred rhythm of regular prayer to God, you need to realize that the number one job you have here on earth is seeking God. Now, you thought your main job was being an accountant or an executive or a receptionist or whatever, a housewife. All different types of responsibilities are very important. But that's not your main job. Your main job is to seek God. Psalm 27.4. The psalmist puts it so beautifully. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek. This is the one thing, the one passion I have in my life, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. So as this psalmist lived out his life, he said, there's one thing I want every day. I want to live in the house 
of the Lord. I want to live in communion with God. I want to be constantly aware of His presence, constantly engaging Him, constantly enjoying Him, gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. And I want to seek this out. That is our job every day, no matter what you do. Your job is to seek God out. Today, you're to seek God out. Read in Jeremiah 29:13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. When's the last time you really sought after something? How many sought after their keys this past week? Anybody sought after their keys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I continue to look for the beeper thing where I can just set it off and on a beep, 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 beep. I haven't found the right one. But it's just so frustrating when you lose your keys. And, and you, always, you always lose it, of course, when you're late. Okay, you got to get out the door. And, and you say, family, we need to unite to look for my keys. And they all come around and we have a short prayer. And, you know, no, that's not the way it works. But <laughs> come on, Dad, I don't want I don't time. I got to get out of here. You know, you're going through things. You know, I have a data recorder uh, that I use, as you guys know, as my mind here. Uh, and uh, sometimes I lose this thing, and it falls out in strange places, or I leave it in strange places, and sometimes I'll be looking at this thing for days, but it's always on my mind. Now, where is that thing? And I keep asking my wife, you know, did you see it? I said, you've asked me that today. Did you see it? Did you see it? Did you see it? I'm looking for it. You know, I call restaurants, you know, where, where is it? That's the attitude we should have for God. Where's God? Where's God? I want to find Him. I want to experience Him. I want to be with Him. I want to think about Him. I want to spend time in His Word. I want to pray. I want to be engaged with other believers. I, I don't have enough. I want more of Him. That's that, that essence of seeking after God. And that's what we need to be looking for. Another way to express this is 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray continually. Some of you read uh, Brother Lawrence's book, Practicing the Presence of God, where you're just always aware of God's presence. It's like Jesus, you know, like when you travel in the car uh, with your child or with your spouse or a friend, and, and you can travel for miles without saying something to them, but then you, something comes to your mind, you say something to them. It's like they're always there. That's the way it is with Jesus. He's always there. But that's hard for us to do. Because we might start out with him in the morning with a quiet time devotion, but then we start cruising and and we just forget that he's there, and we live life like he doesn't you know exist. We don't call on him, we don't connect with him, anything like that. Well, this is the whole idea of the daily office: is to to keep that line of communication open, acknowledging God as you walk throughout the day. Now, I want to point out something to you that's very important in understanding this. Now, you know, ever since I was a kid, you talked about quiet time and devotions, you know, time in the Word of God, time praying. That, that's very important. And always the sense you get from that is I'm getting something from God. My, my, my tank is empty for the day. I need spiritual strength. Uh, so I'm going to fuel up here. And so I'm going to read the Bible and get some inspiration from that for the day. And then I'm going to pray 
and I'm going to you know, give my laundry list to God of all the things He needs to fix in my life, and, and then I'm going to go out there. And again, that's, that's profitable, done with the right attitude. Uh, you need to continue to do that. But what we're, what we're talking about here with the daily office is adding another component to that. Scripture is important in the daily office, but silence is a critical piece in the daily office. Where, let's say, three times a day, you're just silent before God. You're silent. Just to be with Him. You've got no agenda. We're just going to spend some time with God. And sometimes He'll speak to you, sometimes He won't. It doesn't matter. He didn't promise He would. You're just spending time with Him. So, I'm not saying get rid of your quiet time devotions. We've talked about the importance of that. The first ten, the first ten of your day, spend with God, those kind of things. Keep that, but then add this. This idea of being aware of God's presence throughout the day by what we call the daily office. Kierkegaard said, if I could only prescribe one remedy for the ills of the modern world, I would prescribe silence. Or if the Word of God were proclaimed, it would not be heard right now. There's too much noise, so I must prescribe silence. We just don't have enough silence in our lives. Well, let's unpack this daily office. Uh, the idea of the daily office, the word office is opus in the Greek, and it means the work of God. And what's our work for God? Well, our primary work for God is to seek Him out, to really come to know Him, experience Him. Now, Peter Scazzaro, uh, fascinating as you read the book, he basically, I don't know, took... I forget how long it was, maybe a year or so, over a period of years, just spending time in different monasteries and learning uh, the ancient practices of cultivating a deep relationship with God. And It's funny, you'll have to read it, but he talks about his experience and they'll have daily offices. That's where he got the word, it's a very ancient idea, a prayer. They'd pray for like, Five to eight in the morning, and then eleven to two, and then four to seven at night, something like that. So they had three different offices, you know, when they're praying for long periods of time. Uh, but we're just talking about a shorter period of time when we just have a silence uh, before God. So that's our work. Our work is to be aware of God and what He wants to do in our lives. But the first thing we need to do is we need to stop. We need to stop what we're doing and spend time with God. And I would encourage you. I set the uh, alarm on my phone to go off. Not a lot of alarms. <laughs> Alarming life. But, uh, again, just to remind me of certain things, but that's one of the things I set it for is to say, okay, I'm going to have my office now. So it might be you know, once in the morning, once at noon, whatever times you choose. And then you just stop and do it. That is very difficult. I get in the zone, as you do, when you're at work. And uh, when I'm in my zone, when I'm really just so intense upon a particular issue that I'm working on and thinking through, and then my wonderful wife calls me. Oh, honey, so nice to talk with you. What's going on? <laughs> what do you want? 
<laughs> she says, well, I was just wondering. Honey, listen, is anybody injured? Anybody bleeding? Because I just can't talk about anything else right now. <laughs> I'm in the zone. Don't interrupt me. Uh, she doesn't call me much anymore. Uh, <laughs> I'm not that bad, but I, I, I get there sometimes, you know, I just, I'm in the zone, I can't talk, I can't think about anything else but this one thing. You know, that really is the best time to stop. Because when you stop, what you're saying is, this, whatever this issue is I'm working on, this is not the most important thing of the day. It's acknowledging that God is my Savior, if you've made that choice. It's saying, I can't rely on my own intellect, my own designs and strategies. I can't live the Christian life on my own. It's all to the power of Christ. You're relying. You can't do it on your own. You're relying that God is in control here. Because the more we go through our day and the less we, we touch base with God, the more we think we're in control. And that's exactly what Satan wants. And that's exactly what we want. We want to be in control. But every time we just stop and say, okay, God, you are in control. I'm just going to spend some time with you. Even though it goes against every fiber of my being and how I have been brainwashed by the American culture that I've got to be doing something. I'm going to stop and I'm going to be with you. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not going to produce anything. It's so funny. I was talking to one of my spiritual mentors about two years ago. They said, Dan, you need to focus more on being than doing. I just kind of laughed at her. I said, what are you talking about anyway? Being. Well, you know, I sit around and be for an hour. <laughs> I want to get things done here. Okay, there's all kinds of things to be done. What are you talking about being? And really, I just... <laughs> you know, and God continues to do new works in my life, and I understand what she says now. That I got to be with God. I just, I'm just me with God. And it's not about performance. God could care less about my performance, even though our culture values that, and I value that now. I just got to be with God. And I got to. Drinking his love and his forgiveness and grace, and I just got to experience him. You know, I got to experience him. And, and when you get into this this rhythm of experiencing God, and just I mean, sometimes you read the Psalms, you say, "When do the, when do these guys have time to do this?" You know, they're crying out to God all the time. <laughs> they're writing all these Psalms down. I mean, come on. You know, is that all they did all day? <laughs> no, but they took time to do it. And what we think is the faster we work, the more that, you know, we draw on our resources and the more we, you know, get that mental engine going and talk to other people because we're all kind of tied in and saying, I've got to solve this problem, help me solve this problem. Okay, I've got to get all the information together and it's going to happen. But no, it's not going to happen. And it's so counterintuitive to say that the most productive thing to do is to spend time with God. Not even about the particular issue that you're concerned about. To say, God, I need to recalibrate here. I need to 
refocus on you. And I'm getting all caught up and all worked up and I need to come back to you. I need just to be silent before you. And that, you know, if you really make this a pattern in your life, if you really get serious about this, this daily office, it really will transform your life. It really will get you more connected to God. You'll experience God. It's very difficult, though. It's very, very difficult to do. It's, it's something you have to work on and work on and work on year after year after year. And uh, even then, uh, you feel like you're just a beginner. So you have to stop. The second thing you need to do is you need to center yourself. You need to center yourself. And that's the idea is you need to slow down long enough to listen to God. So let's say that uh, you sit down and... Uh, yeah, you're trying to, uh, again, spend some time alone with God. So let me uh, just let you know how some of us might think through this. Okay, so, oh, all right. I'm going to do my homework for this week. Pastor Dan told me to uh, have this daily office. So I read over the notes. I'm, uh, I've got a pretty good idea of what I need to do. So let's try this out. All right. I should have gone to the bathroom. I knew that. Man, I just got to hold it. Okay, all right. I hate the Cardinals so much. I can remember when I was a kid watching the Cubs and the Cards and the Cards. They always won. They always came from behind. They've always been the darling team. Yeah, the Cubs are the darling team of the losers. They're the darling team of the winners. And they won again. It's just not fair. Oh, wait, wait, okay. All right, all right. Mm. Oh, my cell phone's going off. Oh, uh, who's calling me now? I can't answer it. Got to have this five minutes of silence. Uh, I really should put different ringtones so I know who's calling. I've been meaning to do that for years. You know, one for my wife, one for each of the kids. I know people do that. They've told me, and I said, I'd really like to do that. I've got to write that down somewhere. Maybe when I get my bionic droid. <laughs> A new smartphone to make me smarter. I can't wait. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, I'm waiting. I don't feel anything yet. I'm supposed to feel something, aren't I? Is this working? Maybe I'm just... Wasting my time here, or maybe I should go on a day retreat. I've heard about those; those are pretty good. Uh, that, I guess that's really when you can get into it, because five minutes. I mean, what can you do with five minutes? That's, that, that's difficult. Um, wait a second. Hold on. Wait. Oh, I'm starting to relax here. Yeah, this is working. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really getting tired. Ah, I didn't get enough sleep last night. And uh, this is a great tool to use when I want to get to sleep. To remember that. Come on, Dan. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Uh, people seem to like my new glasses. Yeah. They say I look smarter. <laughs> Boy, I need all the help I can get. If I can get smarter looking glasses than the glasses I have right now. I gotta go to the bathroom.
<laughs> yeah. Isn't that the way it is, man? All these thoughts just come flying through. And, and some people say, well, write them all down and leave them on a piece of paper. Well, it takes you a half hour to write them down. <laughs> you know, so as you practice it, you'll get used to the distractions. In fact, I was doing this the other day and I didn't set my watch and well, it's got to be five minutes. And it was like ten minutes. It just went by like that. But you've got to practice it and you've got to really uh, let God, uh, you know, work. Uh, through that. And I, I want to make one thing also clear is that when we talk about this whole idea of uh, meditation, you know, silence, you know, some, oh, this is mis, you know, mystic and this is uh, uh, cultish, uh, this is uh, yoga, that kind of thing. Uh, no, 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 no. That's, that's emptying your mind uh, and letting whatever come in. No, we're, we're filling our mind with God and we're listening to Him. So it's people have done it for, again, centuries in their relationship with God. So the ancient pr practice of uh, silence and solitude, uh, be attentive and open, sit still, sit straight. So okay, be attentive and open, sit still, sit straight, breathe slowly, deeply and naturally. Now, this is very critical, this whole idea of breathing, because we're so much out there all the time. We're always trying to manage our lives and get things done, our to-do lists and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but, but we need to go inside. And one of the most effective ways to go inside and become aware of our interior life is to concentrate on our breathing. Right? So, you know how it goes in Omaha's class. And, and, and you think about your breathing. You focus on your breathing. And I said, what good does that do me? Well, I've been told that that helps me focus in on my interior self that I don't think about much. It helps me to get connected to my soul to slow me down so I can let God speak to me, so I can truly be with Him. So just a, a centering exercise, what you do... Um, is you, these are some phrases. And you can use anything for a centering phrase. Let's go back just and make sure we finish that slide. Uh, close your eyes. Again, any distractions, get out of the way. And then you go to the centering phrase. Okay, next slide. Okay, so these are phrases. So you're just sitting there and you're concentrating on your breathing. And you're just slowing down. And you're centering on God. So you, you, you think about your breathing. That's what you think about. Okay, in the early stages here, you think about your breathing. And then whenever you start to get distracted, uh, something comes through your mind, you say this word, the Lord is my shepherd, or phrase, uh, Lord, here I am, not my will be yours. I'm listening, Lord, come Lord Jesus, Abba, Father, whatever, you know, that's biblically oriented. Uh, that's what you always come back to. So if I'm, I'm sitting here and then I think about uh, the World Series, then I come back and I say, the Lord is my shepherd. And so it's a good, that's a step of growth in itself. In terms of saying, okay, I'm distracted, I'm coming back, and I'm getting focused on what God wants me uh, to focus on. So that's a centering phrase. Then there's silence. Okay, we look at First Kings 19:12, how Elijah, when he was in his suicidal depression after being chased by Jezebel, the Mad Queen, uh, he wanted to end it all, and God told him, hey, come out to the 
front of the cave that you're in, and I want to talk to you. So an earthquake came, and that wasn't God. A fire came, I think that'd be God. Burn bush, no, that wasn't God. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came, a gentle whisper. That's how God likes to speak the best. In a gentle whisper. And that's why you need silence in your life. Because He's never going to be able to speak to you at uh, the pace that you're going at. Scripture. You see, this is the idea. This is not legalism, guys. It's not like, say, okay, everybody has to do three times a day. Check in next week. No. The idea here is you do what the Lord leads you to do. You should have silence in your life. You need to wait upon the Lord. How do you wait upon the Lord? You wait upon the Lord silently. So we need to use this particular spiritual discipline, but continue to have your quiet time and devotions, but then maybe have part of that being silence, then have silence during you know time in the afternoon and the evening. In fact, this book right here, we've got some copies still left, $5, $9 on Amazon plus shipping. But uh, pick this up because what uh, Schizero does in this book is he lays out two devotions, uh, or maybe it's, uh, let me check here, day four. Um, devotion. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we've got uh, one. Yeah, two, two devotions uh, per day that you can use. And you center for two minutes like we talked about and then you go into the devotion and you center again. But there's all different ways to do it. The point is, this is a great tool to get you started. And, and, it, and it's all based upon the material that we've been going through. So as you maybe reread through the book or whatever, you can use that. Uh, but, uh, but, but meditation on Scripture is a whole other issue here. Uh, he gives uh, Isaiah 40, 29 to 31 he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. I mean, just that. I mean, some of you are so weak today. Some of you didn't feel like coming. Some of you are so down and overwhelmed with life. And, you know, you go home. You take a half hour. And you just drink in this passage of Scripture. You just drink it in. And you think about each word and let the Holy Spirit speak to you through it. And man, I tell you, it's going to minister to you. See, that's the power of the Word of God. Your problems aren't going to be solved, but you're going to have a totally different perspective on your problems once you step out of that time of meditation. So, you know, you mix it up. You find your rhythm. You've got to define your rhythm. You've got to ask the Lord to show you your rhythm. So, we're going to do some practice here, and uh, let's see here. We'll go um, three minutes, and what I want you to do is I just want you to do some of the things uh, that we talked about here, and just I want you to focus on your breathing to get in touch with your interior uh, life, and then pick out one of the centering phrases here. Just pick one, or make up your own, doesn't matter. Uh, and, and every time you get distracted, just come back to that one phrase. And you're saying, well, 
what's the purpose? <laughs> the purpose is to get in touch with the interior, interior you. So God can speak to you. That's the purpose. Well, I'll just read something, you know, apply it to my life. What's big? You know? That's the essence of what I'm saying. You've got to slow down long enough and, and, and become aware of your interior and then let God speak into it. Okay? So, focus on your breathing. Come back to the phrase, it prepares your heart for what God really wants to say to you. All right. Let's go. We'll start. Amen. Well, how'd that go? Talked with one guy after the service and said that didn't work at all, man. I, a thousand thoughts flying through my mind, and that is very, very normal. Sometimes when I do it, I get more tense because you know 
the pressure that I've been suppressing in some way through the other activities I'm doing, when I really stop, it kind of comes back. But then if you wait long enough, then it tapers off. And you see, this is something that uh, you know, I, I really would encourage us whenever you sit down to study your Bible, when you come into service, whatever. I mean, you know, prepare your heart. That's a, that's a way of preparing your heart getting in touch with God, calming your heart so you can listen, so you can pray, whatever it might be. And I know I know there's some of you who really feel Harrison's gone off the deep end. I know he was headed that way, but now it's official. He's going to ask us to bring mats next uh, next week. <laughs> some of you are saying, no way, Dan. You know, I'll, I'll keep my usual spiritual disciplines. You can go off on the fringe there. <laughs> well, I tell you, I have off. I've gone off the deep end. You're right. I've gone off the deep end to a deeper relationship with God, and I hope you understand someday and follow it. All right? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this time, and I pray that you would work, keep working in my life. There's so much to work on, and I pray that you would. Uh, Help me to really just become an expert at being silent. I'm just a beginner. I really want to learn how to really drink you in. I really want to just enjoy your presence. I want to get off that treadmill or slow it down to a reasonable pace where I can step off and spend time with you. And I pray the same thing for my friends. It's hard, Lord. This goes against uh, the uh, values that have been built into us. But that's the Christian life, right? <laughs> Doing everything that, or changing everything that's not, that we've been taught uh, in our lives about what life is about and uh, getting in line uh, with your desires. Uh, guidance in Christ's name, amen. We've got a picture of uh, Steve Jobs up here. Uh, blessed our lives with the iPad and the iPhone and the iPhone. Uh, it's iPad, iPhone, iPod. My favorite, my iPod, yeah. And, and you know, some people worship this guy. They really do. They worship this guy. But who gave this guy his intelligence? Right? Who gave him his breath? God gave us the iPod and the iTouch and the iPhone. But he said something interesting at the commencement. You maybe heard this on the news. Remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in life. Because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. Now, this is godly wisdom here, friends. We need to live with the reality of death on a daily basis. But we live with hope because we know we're going to a much better place if we know Jesus is our Savior. But if we live that way, how are we going to spend our time seeking God's face? Right? How are we going to live? We're going to live in communion with Him and abiding in Christ and depending upon Him. And how are we going to spend our money? We're going to spend our money for the kingdom because God says don't waste your money on creature comforts down here. Invest it in the kingdom ahead. And all of us have to take a look at how much we've invested in God's kingdom over the last year 
and say, does that really reflect the heart that's seeking God? Does that reflect the heart that knows my life could be over any moment now? Does that reflect the heart that's storing my treasures in heaven? Think about that. Lord, thank you for Steve Jobs. Thank you for how you used him to bless our lives. I know he was a Buddhist, but I pray that in the last moments of his life, he turned to you. Lord, help us to keep getting the good news out of the resources that are given to this body, to you. In Christ's name, amen.